Well, you may be seated. I want to talk to you about uh, the authority that God has given us and uh, that we are actually responsible with it, that what the Lord entrusts to us, it, it's important that we be faithful. And, and I think about this word stewardship. I just read in First uh, Peter that we are stewards of the manifold grace of God. And uh, a steward is someone who's responsible for somebody else's stuff. And uh, God has entrusted things to you and me, and to whom much is given, much is required. I felt like a steward the day that the uh, announcement was made that the levee was going to breach and everything here would be saturated with water. And um, I just knew that I had a responsibility to haul out everything that was here because it, it wasn't my stuff. You know, I had that sense of stewardship. I actually have that sense of stewardship even about right now and about the moment I have with you. James chapter 3 says, Let not many of you be teachers, knowing that a teacher will incur a stricter judgment. And uh, so I feel a steward and a necessity to pray and trust God that he'll give me his oracles and his word that will benefit you. So let's pray right now, and then I want to talk to you about uh, our authority. Father, thank you in the name of Jesus that I could actually pray and you will help me to speak your word biblically, accurately, in line, rightly dividing the word, that you'll give every one of us a hearing of faith, and that, God, I pray for a tremendous uh, blessing tonight. I pray each person in this room experiences what you would have them to experience, and that online, Lord, as people are listening to the word, I pray tremendous insights will come. And I ask for breakthrough and, and life and blessing and healing and hope in Jesus' name. Don't give up. Just keep pressing on whoever you are that feels discouraged. It says in 1 Corinthians 4, 1, Let a man regard us in this manner as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Stewards of the mysteries of God. And it says in whose case, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards that one be found trustworthy. So faithful, one translation says. So we actually, as believers, Paul says to the Corinthian church, and the Holy Spirit is saying to you and me, are stewards of the mysteries of God. And I want you to go quickly to Ephesians 3, and I want to lay this groundwork. Paul, in his stewardship, chapter 3 of Ephesians, he talks about how he's a prisoner of Christ Jesus for the sake of the Gentiles, and that Indeed, you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace, which was given to me for you. So now, mothers, you have a stewardship of God's grace for the child rearing. Workers, you have a stewardship of God's grace in the setting that you're planted in. Young people, you have a stewardship in your season of life. You're a carrier of the presence of God and, and specifically of the mysteries of God, of the grace of God, of the manifold grace of God. How about that? Now, I'm not so automotive, but I grew up with some guys that were gearheads and loved uh, uh, the class at school. You know, we had metal shop and we had uh, auto mechanics. And I hung out with some guys that were into some guys, the, the Hispanic guys, uh, the Chicanos were making low riders out of uh, the 62 Impala that I got saved in. And, and they were, it was amazing. And, they, and the guys souped up their cars, the GTOs and the Firebirds that came out in the late 60s. Uh, that was the sweet spot, you know. 
Uh, that, at that point, the, the 64, 65 Mustangs, where the 69 Mustang came back with a, with a fastback, and, uh, you know, people were souping them up. And so I heard about uh, intake manifold, and I, I was intrigued. You know, they popped the, the hood open, and in order to hang out with the guys, you kind of had to join in. You know, I would tend to be the guy that would hand them tools and things like that. And they just, you know, a lot of them were really gifted and went on, in fact, to, to develop careers out of it. But I still am intrigued by the engineering of, a, of an inlet manifold, an intake manifold. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? You should Google it at some point because what it is, is it's, uh, it supplies the fuel and air mixture to the cylinders. So... The way it's designed, and I drew a drawing of it on my paper, is that one pipe pulls in and then distributes through several pipes uh, the necessary fuel and air mixture to the cylinders. Now that'll preach because in Acts chapter 2, they were all gathered in one place. And there was a sound like that of a rushing mighty wind. And there was a distribution of fire onto the people the apostles, and then also the others, which amounted to 120, including Mother Mary. And there were people there that were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So God did a manifold grace initiation at the beginning of the early church. It's funny that even though I'm not that mechanically inclined, I got spiritual insights out of remembering, you know, back in the 70s when I was with my friends and they were working on their their souped up cars. And I just got fascinated by that how air can pull in and then distribute to each cylinder. And I just want to tell you that we are recipients of the manifold grace of God. And what I want for 2021 is I want to learn, and I want you and and all of us to learn, to overlay the manifold grace of God over all the manifold heaviness through manifold temptations. I want to learn how to, like Jesus did, address the manifold diseases with his manifold grace and his manifold wisdom and his manifold healing. I want, I want to see with it. And manifold means, you know, another word, another synonym would be multifaceted, manifold, many pipes. I, I even think about the menorah. Think about this, the menorah with the lampstand and all the the, the variables, and there's a servant candle that lights all the other candles. Do a little research on this, a lot of encouragement with this. In Zechariah chapter 4, Zerubbabel and Zechariah, they had a revelation about the, the provision of God coming in and through pipes and distributing. So we human beings need practical terminology to crack the code on the mysteries of the supernatural, right? So listen, in fact, there was the sound of a rushing mighty wind in Acts chapter 2. And uh, in fact, hold your place in Ephesians. Did I read Ephesians 3.10 yet? So that the manifold wisdom of God might be now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Now, what are the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places? Of course, God is in heaven, so he's a ruler and he's authority. Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. But they gave these gifts, so the church doesn't need to let God in on and know what he already initiated. So what it's really talking about then are the angelic hosts. And that would include the angels of the Lord, and it would include the fallen angels of which Satan is one of them. So actually, the Lord is anointing us and distributing and manifesting his glory 
and wants to, through the manifold grace of God and the manifold wisdom of God, he wants certain things to be asserted and certain things to be declared and certain things to be prayed out and certain things to be sung in praise and worship and certain things to be studied, certain things to be amplified, certain things to be exemplified that let the world know, let the angelic host know, let the, the realm of the spirit even know. God has chosen to manifest these things through the church. That's hard for us because we are being made to feel like pipsqueaks by the, the accuser of the brethren day and night. He accuses us day and night. And if, if we allow it, we get this sort of slumped over, round-shouldered, nerdy, beat-up, depleted thing where I just can't wait till we get to heaven. We're called to manifest and display the manifold grace of God in our generation. And, and this is trippy. This is this will trip out your melon because it says in first Peter chapter one, verse 12, that it says about the times and, and, and the person, the time of the spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you in these things which now have been announced to the to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. That's a long run-on sentence. What it basically means is God raised up the prophets, God raised up the law and the prophets and the Psalms and the books of poetry and all that has proceeded to let us know about Jesus. And now God has chosen to manifest himself to the principalities and the rulers of the, of the spiritual realm, the manifold grace of God has been entrusted to the church. This will fire up your Christianity right now. Because you're not just like, well, this is wholesome and I go to church, makes me feel better. Well, good. But in addition to that, you're being fueled and empowered with supernatural wisdom so you can take your stand with God's delegated authority and resist the devil that's trying to mess up our entire human system. Jesus came to destroy the work of the devil and he's anointed and empowered you and me to walk in the same and manifest Satan's defeat. Hallelujah. Listen to this. It says this, it says in verse 12, it's all these revelations, all this mystery revealed, the things into which angels long to look. Angels long to look. The Bible says when one soul gets saved, all of heaven rejoices. Can I tell you that I think angels are learning? We're learning. In the end times, knowledge will increase. So we're learning. We're growing. Everybody say we're growing. So now... Wrap your head around this, and you can get, if you're, draw, if you're taking notes, you can draw a, a manifold, an automotive uh, inlet manifold or intake manifold that supplies the fuel and air mixture to the cylinders. You kids that are coloring, I want you to color some inlet manifolds where the pipe, one pipe is coming in, bringing in all the, the air and the fuel which symbolizes the Holy Spirit, the Word, the direction, the revelation of God, and it's distributing, hallelujah, into all the cylinders. So we can be firing on all cylinders. Have you ever heard people say when, like, all, you know, they say if they're not feeling well, I'm just not firing on all cylinders. Have you ever heard that? It's because it skips. Well, it's because the mixture isn't right. Well, let me tell you, the Holy Spirit is better at what he does than the best auto mechanic in the history of mechanics. 
And God is working his mechanics by the power of the Holy Spirit. He did a great job in the upper room. They heard the sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And go to Acts chapter 2. We've got to look at this. Acts chapter 2. Let this rouse your spirit and give you a vision. That day of Pentecost was the birthday of the church in the sense that they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they all began speaking in other tongues as the Holy Spirit gave them utterance. But look what it says. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind. So notice it doesn't say there was a violent, a mighty rushing wind. It just says there was a noise that was like a mighty rushing wind. All right, Missourians, we live in uh, this part of the world. What do they use to describe the sound of tornadoes? A freight train. Well, that's, you know it's not a freight train. We, but yet, all of us men go to the window to look to see if there's a freight train flying in the air, like on something from a Wizard of Oz or something. It's like that, but it's not a train. It's just the sound of the roar of the, of the wind. Well, this is trying to describe a manifestation of the glory of God that hit our early brothers and sisters in the fledgling moment of the church, the inception of the church. And it says, and, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves. Now, these weren't tongues of fire. I lit some candles today in the house. Uh, you know, those nice uh, smelling candles we got for Christmas. So I lit them. There's a few of them in the house. They smell so good. And their little fire, they, they call that little flame, you know, tongues of fire, you know. And then uh, uh, before the pandemic, Kingston and I took a little uh, father-son uh, cruise down um, uh, Lindell to the cathedral. The mosaics in there, it's, one of the, it's like one of the seventh wonders, seven wonders of the world, I think. You should definitely, when this all folds up, you need to go spend a couple hours just looking at the beauty, the artisans that created these depictions on these walls. You know, though I'm not Roman Catholic, I, I can appreciate the, the commitment and the love and the adoration and the, and the value and the beauty of it. It's beautiful, and it touches my heart, and it inspires me as a Christian. They had uh, Tiffany stuff was done. They're just different seasons for over like 100 years, from like 1905, I think it started. So there, you could actually see the color patterns of style and the, the arts and crafts kind of style, and then, you know, the kind of renaissance looking stuff. You, you, you'd be inspired. Uh, but the, I think the one that gets me the most... I remember when um, I went to a funeral there and I was sitting up toward the front and um, I sat up there and as the priest was uh, doing the, uh, the, the funeral mass and then as the kids were uh, sharing and eulogizing about their dad, but we had become friends during the flood and then he passed. And I remember looking up at the ceiling and there was a dome that was decorated with Acts chapter 2. And I looked up later when Kingston and I went and got the backstory, and it was a father and son and a bunch of these, these skilled people that, I think it was in the 70s when they actually made this. And there are all these people in the upper room and fires on their heads. So I felt sorry for the priest because I got so distracted looking. I thought, how can people, I mean, there's like the walls are preaching while the preacher's preaching, you know? And, uh, but it inspired me, and I pray you get a hold of this because it says, that this sound, like this noise, like a violent wind, filled the place. 
and where everybody was sitting. And then they, then they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So this pipeline from heaven, this, this intake manifold, and then distribution on each and every one of them. Fire distributed themselves. Uh, tongues of fire distributed themselves. And they, they, they rested on each one of them. So there's a manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. He's proliferating his blessings on all who will listen and yield to him. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. Now look at verse 6. This is important. And when this sound occurred, the crowd came together. When this sound occurred, the crowd came together. Now, let me just tell you, I've been in ministry for 40 years. There is a movement called church growth movement. God told me, don't try to make the church grow. Told me this early on. People said, go to Seoul, Korea and learn about cell groups. Uh, I talked to one guy in the parking lot in Houston, Texas for an hour about home groups. And then uh, the worship movement, prophesying to each other, all, all kinds of waves, waves and waves and waves of things. And, and, and the Lord would just basically say to me, no, listen, actually help the church not to artificially surge. Let it be a gradual growth. So, I mean, the church is the age of our worship leader, Addison. It was birthed around the same exact time period, so about 32 years ago. And so we are now a young, and they're, you know, they just had a baby, and they're going to have babies, and, and they're birthing, and they're young, and they're enthusiastic, and, uh, you know, Steve is... He can leg lift 827 pounds. And I taught him everything he knows about bodybuilding. Because they're young and they're strong and they're in the childbirth period. And they'll say the same thing about our church. We're young and we're strong and we're in the childbirth period. We didn't start just yesterday. This isn't something from some movement that comes and goes, comes and goes, comes and goes. Because I've seen it. And God, God wanted whatever he wanted to do, he wanted it to be built to last. There's an important mandate on you as an individual, as a steward of the manifold grace of God, and I, I often and always emphasize your individual priesthood in God and your sphere of influence. This is part of my message. As, a, as an equipper, I must remind you as an individual that on Genesis chapter 1, verse 26 to 27, he said, Let us make man in our image after our own likeness. Male and female, he created them. He said, Be fruitful and multiply and subdue the earth. He said, Let them rule. So let them rule means he gives us delegated authority. The authority of the universe, one of the first things he bestowed and equipped upon his prototype couple, Adam and Eve, was authority to rule. We're designed to be more than conquerors. Well, it doesn't mean domineering. It doesn't mean tyrannical. It doesn't mean like some sort of weird little kingdom unto ourselves. It just means God has not left us into some little weakened state. Although, tragically, due to the fall of man, the forfeiture of that authority and being banished from the garden is a tragedy. That's the human condition that Jesus ultimately came to address. And Jesus, who never sinned, became a sin substitute for us to destroy the work of the devil. And by the way, the devil temporarily usurped that authority. Number one, God is the supreme authority. Who would say amen to that? Amen. 
Every Presbyterian would agree with that. Every Roman Catholic would agree with that. Every Methodist would agree with that. Every Baptist would agree with that. This charismatic Pentecostal church, we agree with that. God delegated authority to humanity. I just read the verse, chapter and verse, Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Let us make man in our image and our likeness and let them rule, right? Unfortunately, man forfeited the authority. Read Genesis chapter 3 when the devil tempted, tricked Eve and uh, the prize was wrestled out of their hands. And the fourth point is Satan usurped it. The term usurp means he came in took advantage of the moment through lying, through besmirching God's character and nature like he still does, and tricking Adam and Eve. Two amazing verses. Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 7. When Jesus was being tempted, he said, and in fact, let's just go to it if you have your Bible. I wanna, I've got it committed pretty much to memory, but I don't want to misquote it. So he is being tempted at the beginning of his ministry, and the devil is, is tempting him to turn stones into bread, and he's tempting him to, to throw himself off the temple, and God will, he quotes Psalm 91 to him. But here's an interesting one, and if you wonder where some people that wouldn't seem to be uh, ill-equipped for their power position, where they might have gotten it, listen to this. Luke chapter 4, it says, He led him up, in verse 5, He, the devil, led him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, the devil said to Jesus, I will give you all this domain. That's an authority word. That's a power word. I will give you all this domain and its glory. For it, is, has, it has been handed over to me. And I give it to whomever I wish. Listen, in God's sovereignty, he allowed free moral agency to occur apparently on the angels and on humanity. And unfortunately, the great gift of freedom and of, of choice and of authority, uh, it, it could go well with us. And in, in this case, it went very badly. Lucifer became rebellious. How should somebody as beautiful as me worship? I should be worshiped. And he fell from heaven. Jesus said, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. He was once perfected in wisdom, but not any longer. He's still been, he's good at being a devil. And that's why we have to learn what I'm teaching right now. And God, in fact, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, has anointed us and ordained that we so show forth God's authority, restored authority. But this is where it was usurped. This is where it was handed over to him. And then he said, and I give it to whomever I wish. Luciferic exaltation has been existing since the Garden of Eden, but yet true promotion comes from the Lord. We don't want Luciferic exaltation. We don't want self-glory. We don't want self-promotion. We want to crucify ourselves and die to the things that, that would be uh, a selfish. Uh, Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, yet nevertheless I live. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me. So here, Jesus doesn't say, by the way, you liar. You don't have these kingdoms. He actually said, it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So Jesus, in a very real sense, acknowledged that what Lucifer said here is so. The devil, in fact, if you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, Paul the Apostle 
worded it this way about why are people's minds blinded? Why are people's eyes blinded to the gospel? Second Corinthians chapter four, verse four, in whose case the small G God of this world. Now, who is that? Initially, Adam and Eve were required and responsible and bestowed upon with stewardship to rule and reign. Sadly, that was forfeited. And so now the devil is the temporary God of this world and has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So see, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, light shall shine out of darkness, is the one who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. For we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So now, let's go back to this. There's a, an intake manifold in Acts chapter 2. And the sound like as of a rushing mighty wind. You know that intake manifold. There's noise involved with those cylinders and that internal combustion engine. There was noise involved with the church. And it was a sound as of a rushing mighty wind. And when the noise occurred, the crowd gathered. That's why I'm not trying to manufacture anything. That's why I'm not trying to whip up a frenzy, try to create a revival. That's why I'm not trying to build some sort of thing to overstimulate something. I want it to be from God. But I'm telling you, I don't want to block it either. That's why, you know, we've got to keep our pipes clean. That's why we forgive. That's why, you know, it's inevitable that offenses will come. So we must not be led by offenses. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We must not be led by opportunities. We've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. We must not be led and tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. And in fact, the strange doctrines of Hebrews chapter 13, the manifold and strange doctrines of Hebrews 13, 9. <laughs> A big part of my responsibility is to equip, 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 honor and exalt and elevate the word of God. So you study to show yourself approved to God. You rightly divide the scripture. You search the scripture to see if these things are so. You judge scripture with scripture. You follow correct biblical interpretation. And the Holy Spirit is faithful as your teacher to lead you and guide you into all the truth. He'll deliver you from error. He'll lead you into the truth. Praise God. Isn't that great? There's a pipe from heaven and then it's a distribution system from God that he has engineered in his supernatural uh, engineering. And he has plenty of a grace and power and anointing for each and every one of us. The manifold grace of God. The manifold wisdom of God. To stimulate and stir. As each has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another as stewards of the manifold grace of God. There are no two of us alike. So the Lord wants the, the universe to be helped with its blind spot, in whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving. And the Lord said, light shall shine out of darkness. He's the one who's shown in your hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. And he's given the commission to the church. There was such a strong anointing at the beginning of the service while I was preaching. As soon as I got out of the chute about it, you could sense it. God really wants us to understand this, that he has decreed 
that the, the church, let's go back to, and read Ephesians chapter 3. I want to I wanna look at it with our own eyes and study it. I want you to ponder this because for that matter, go to all of chapter 2 and read it. Read the last part of chapter 1 where he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that one to come. He put all things in subjection under his feet, look, and gave him as head over all things to the church, in which, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Not only did God have Jesus raised from the dead, he's called the firstborn of many brethren. And as we walk with him, he said, these works and greater works shall you do because I go to be with the Father. And then he calls us to be ambassadors for Christ with a ministry of reconciliation. And these signs shall follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. There were to covet earnestly spiritual gifts, the three categories, the revelation gifts, word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits, the utterance gifts, prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues, the uh, uh, power gifts, working of miracles, gift of faith, gifts of healing. God went with them and confirmed his word with signs following. But I'll tell you, we won't get very far if we don't understand the authority that was originally presented, that was forfeited, but that was restored through Jesus Christ and that has been bestowed back upon the church. And if we spend some time understanding this and we ponder this, we're going to rise up into a new level. We're going to take our place of authority, exerting these things. And look what it says to do. It says, so that in the, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church. To the rule, this is why I didn't get all caught up with go to Yonggi Cho's and figure out home groups. God told me not to do home groups. I had a lady badger me outside the parking lot for not doing home groups, and I was insensitive. It was like I'm trying to be led by the Holy Spirit. She left, didn't come, you know, didn't come back. I hope she found a place that she was happy with. But I am not going to budge and do something that just because it's popular. Man, you could go start out, do, the, do all these kinds of things. It's like, that's great if God's called you to do that, but i got to follow what God's called me to do. Even Balaam said, I cannot go beyond the word of the Lord to do either more or less. Even the stimulus of so much great prophetic help. I've had people prophesy key things to me, mighty men and women of God over the decades, and I treasure those things. I take pains with those things, but I don't try to make any of them manufacture. I don't try to suppress them either. I just say, God, I'm not basing my whole life on this. I have a more sure word of prophecy and I'm going to follow the Holy Spirit. And God, as you want to do this, that, you know, when suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind and fire distributed onto each person like the, the uh, intake manifold on a vehicle into all the cylinders, the fuel and the, the uh, air so that they could have that internal combustion. They could have that power and that anointing. Don't you want it to be from God? Don't you want it to be from God where it's God and he gets all the glory and people see it and say, man, surely he has been amongst them? Instead of flaky, spooky, quivery affectations, I have no interest in that. That turns me off. What I get turned on by is a legitimate biblical move of the Holy Spirit. Now, I am hungry for that. To see people get delivered. Look, we had a, a, a New Year's Eve meeting. I was exhausted. We were up here. We weren't even praying about healing per se. 
And somebody got healed from a, 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 having had an accident, and they were getting help from everybody, but it wasn't working. And during the praise and worship, they got healed. Yeah. Not from laying on of hands, because we're not supposed to lay hands on each other right now. Not from social connection, because we're supposed to be six feet away from each other right now. What was it from, though? It was from God, who is our healer, who never changes. So he gets all the credit. Woo! I love it. And there's a fresh anointing coming, not just of inspiration, but of clarity, where you know how to share the gospel with lost people. And God, by the way, wants to manifest himself with signs and wonders. And some of you are going to go home and cry and be so thankful and think, God, I, I, I always desired to see these things happen in my life. And, you know, because there's false prophecy and there are false prophets, you know what that means? That that's, there's the presence of true prophecy and true prophets. And false signs and wonders, well, then that means they're counterfeiting true signs and wonders. So don't be put off by that. There's never been a time where people are hungrier for spirit, supernatural things. And Jesus wants to manifest the clarity of himself in these mysteries through the church in wholesome, simple practicality. Everybody say wholesome. Simple practicality. I got to write this down. God's speaking to me. Oh boy, I just got something for the new year. Wholesome, simple practicality. God doesn't want theoretical overphrasing, He wants practical application. God doesn't want religious affectations, He wants authenticity. God wants it to be mustard seed faith where we have a jar of mustard seeds in our house, and um, there it's pure. Mustard is pure. What you do is put it in a mortar and pestle, you grind it, and it's all mustard powder. They don't take the hull off of it. It's, in fact, inside and out, all what it is. And that's the kind of Christian God wants each one of us to be. Where we don't, we're not like whitewashed walls like Jesus warned about the Pharisees. Like outside you have whitewashed walls, inside you're full of dead men's bones. He doesn't want us to be in hypocrisy. He warned all kinds of things about that. And that's operating from behind a mask. And God will spend decades trying to get us to be the real deal so that he can have a, an intake manifold moment and distribute some things and do what he wants to do. So that's what I've been believing God for. And that's what I'm trusting God for. I talked to... Abby and John Kowalik, you know, they're so happy. It's serendipitous that their children, because of the, the pandemic, they're seeing, you know, you have to look for good things in bad times. And, but the positive of the connection, it's brought their family. Kids are already really close, but it is some really good things on the kids. I just talked to this young family right here, the same kind of thing. And um, I think the same thing with our church. God is doing something marvelous in the midst of temptations, tests, and trials. And in fact, there are manifold temptations, tests, and trials. Uh, it says in James, count it all joy when you encounter various or manifold temptations, tests, and trials, knowing that the trying of your faith will produce endurance. See, how do you get endurance? By walking with God on a consistent basis for a while, yeah. right? And so God would develop a church like this for decades just to get us to the next level. And, and you know, we want him to be God. We, they want in the upper room. They didn't, 
start just marching out just all everywhere. He said, I go out in all the world and preach the gospel. He said, but don't go anywhere till you're clothed with power from on high. And in their case, it was that famous day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, the rented upper room in Jerusalem where they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And then when they went out, the first thing that happened wasn't that they had amazing services and like a lot of running and yelling and laughing and stuff. They went out and immediately the first thing that happened, that's kind of other kinds of things happened throughout the New Testament. But the main thing, everybody say the main thing. People heard the gospel in their own language. That God had reversed the Tower of Babel confusion and blessed and equipped these guys with a supernatural, not linguistic. They weren't like, oh, I'm really good at linguistics. And God just blessed me with some heightened goodness with my natural skills with language and verbosity. No, they came out and they said, aren't these Galileans? And yet they're speaking like the Medes and the Arabians and the Cretans. It's like, what? You can't go to, I mean, Rosetta Stone download app because they didn't have apps then, right? But yet they did have a download through that, that inlet manifold, that intake manifold of the presence of God that yeah. distributed anointing and blessing. Come on, take hold of this. Trust God for this. Put one hand on your heart, one hand up toward heaven and just say, God, I thank you. I'm a steward of the manifold grace of God. And it's required of stewards that they be found trustworthy. So, Lord, I'm asking you to help me to understand what this is all about in the most essential practical terms. Wholesome, simple practicality. Amen.